Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I'm Josh Peck. And I'm Ben Soffer. And we're the good guys. And we're the good guys. There's a lot of guys out there. And we're the good ones. Wow. Nailed it. God, that sounded good. Nailed it. That was great. Uh, Labor Day weekend. What a crazy time for for the kids. Is it a crazy time for the parents with kids? No. Are you doing anything fun? Labor Day is not a thing when you have a child. Like, Mm. people have brought up, like, what are you up to? And they they could be talking about, like, the idea of a three-day weekend didn't even occur to me. Is that troublesome for you? I'm sorry to hear no, it's 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 not necessarily troublesome. I think it's just it's become just a general excuse to take a trip, rent a house, ha- like it's just like a, a time to have a nice time. Uh, but no, it's not troublesome to me. I personally am taking advantage of Labor Day weekend. We're going to Turks and Caicos. Uh, no, it should be a gorgeous time, but yeah, as well you should. I, I mean, it's fascinating, right? Because our three day weekends tend to be there's, you know, like our holidays, like 4th of July, that totally warrants a celebration. You know, we mm-hmm. kicked ass. Sorry, Britain. You know, eat it. We're our own now. Bye, mom and dad. You know, keep your monarchy. But, you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day, it's it's sort of a more of a subdued type celebratory holiday. You wouldn't think it'd be all, you know... um huffing computer cleaner and sucking down margaritas on a boat. You think Memorial Day, you know, memorializing our wonderful, um, you know, service people. And then Labor Day, honoring those who do labor. I don't know. It's not us. We're not the laborious ones. What (laughs) is Labor Day? I've never even thought about that. Memorial Day was always just like dominated by great sales. Like it's we're memorializing our troops. But at the same time, you're like getting a mattress at 70 percent off. But Labor Day, yes. What is it? Is it celebrating? Is it celebrating the worker? Is that what it is? Or is it a day of rest it's for something... the labor for the laborious? <laughs> I, I want to say it might be something to do with the military too. But listen, we're not above looking things up on this podcast, are we? No, not at all. Can you please? I mean, we should Google what Labor Day is. What is it? No, it's a public holiday. Or festivity in honor of working people in the U.S. and Canada on the first Monday in September. What a funny holiday. Oh, in the U.S. and Canada. I feel like that's a rare joint holiday. Yeah, crossover. Maybe they have a different Labor Day, but they still honor the laborers. Mm-hmm. I feel like they probably honor the laborers by making them work harder. 
I don't know. Canada you, Canada's a weird place. Sometimes I feel like they do nothing, and sometimes I feel like they're just nonstop. The Canadians, man, they're strange. I think our, our American sensibility and being hard-body karate Americans such as we are, you know, we bleed red and white and blue, as, as they say. I, um, I think that that's what we want to imagine Canada as. And then having spent as much time as I have working up there, what you realize is... Canada's got it all going on. Really? Really? What did you film there again? I've done, I've, I've totaled it. I've, I've probably spent 16 months of my life in Canada. I did my first movie, Snow Day, there. I did um, an indie Snow- movie. I did a Netflix uh, musical. Oh, Snow Day. I was thinking to myself, you were in Snow Dogs with Cuba Gooding Jr.? But no, I think that's a different movie. If only. <laughs> I, I think Cuba. I, I think I could have saved Cuba. Yeah. If Cuba knew know, me, I think he wouldn't be right now going through what he's going through. Do you know the controversy with Claudia in Cuba? I do. Should we? I do in a tertiary way. Do you want to introduce it to the good guys listeners, just in case? They yeah. Don't I mean, know? I'm. I'm. I'm sure that they do know if they are listeners of the Morning Toast. But when Claudia was younger, Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, while they were in a club. Uh, tried to insert his his finger in Claudia's young tush, and uh, that is uh, a, a no no when you're not asking uh, to have somebody insert your finger in their tush. So uh, yeah, it was it was pretty weird, and uh, that's really the story. Just an, did, an unrequested finger. Did how old was Claudia? Good question. Probably I think it was sixteen. No. Oh, yeah. 17? Wait, maybe I'm This lying. is like... <laughs> not that it's... <laughs> I think, we, I think we're going to need to have Claudia hash out the full story when we have her on as a guest. Maybe she was... Maybe she was 20. She was definitely young. Very young. Sub-20. Well, if she... Not that it's any excuse, no matter the age, but if she was 16, then... My next question would be, is Claudia the girl who had a fake ID? Because she doesn't strike me as someone who would be at a club at 16. Oh, oh yeah. She was certainly the fake ID lady. Just like drinking. Really? Oh, oh yeah. She was a big club rat. Honestly, we both were. We spent, <laughs> mo- we spent most of our youth in those clubs grinding on the dance floor. I I love the idea of the two of you slipping out from your mutual Shabbat dinners on a Friday night and, you know, jumping in a cab to some hot new club in the meatpacking district and, you know, and really getting your Sabbath on. It sounds like a really great Netflix movie, uh, but, like, they'd find a way to make it anti-Semitic, but, like, (laughs) just, like... They'd like, they'd like, instead of it being Ben and Claudia, they'd have to name the characters like Yunkle and Rifke post-Shabbos, <laughs> go to the club. To, like, if it's about Jews, except for 13, it sounds like you had a different experience filming that musical where it wasn't too anti-Semitic. But I just feel like anything that I see on Netflix that's related to Jews, all of a sudden they have to be Hasidic and it has to be negative. Totally. But they're fetishizing us, Jews, as like... Because they're fascinated with the extremes, just like Andrew Garfield's in that Mormon, you know, five-part miniseries right now, 
or Scientologists or Jehovah's Witnesses. Maybe not Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't think they're getting the shine they deserve, but nevertheless. <laughs> I mean, people are obsessed with extremism. And I think that's the one... I mean, maybe people know this, but like, you're more observant than I am as a Jew, but we're both, you know, quasi-secular. We're not, you know, tripping out if if a little bit of shellfish crosses our plate. You know, that's the majority of us, no. right? Like, we, we too look at the... Yes ultra-Orthodox Jews and go, hey, listen, you know, wool, wool in August, it's not a great look. I couldn't agree more, but I do understand, as do you, that it really is such a small subset of the population that truly is black hat that I just don't understand why the only inter- the only way that people get to now learn about other cultures is through social media and on a Netflix. And as a result, the main documentary being unorthodoxed, for example— that goes into a woman needing to flee uh, a uh, bad situation in a Hasidic community, like makes people think that the only, like that's what Jews are, right? That there aren't great Jews when in reality, just as you said, there are extremes everywhere. But if you only document extremes, I'm just saying there aren't the seventh heavens of Judaism. It's not like we have like, a wonderful, wholesome family show about just Jews being Jews. We only have the extremes. What if if we did have our own version of Seventh Heaven? What would it What would it be called? Ooh, um, damn! You put me on the spot. I really, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm lightly creative. I'm just not that creative. That's such a tough one. What would you call it? <laughs> Maybe it doesn't have to be a pun. You know, it doesn't have to be like a a. a, a like a Nike pun, like just Jew it. It could be like, uh, you know, just something inherently Jewish, like, you know, uh, what a day. What a- <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when I think about it, seventh heaven, isn't that kind of Jewish? Like, are they talking about the Sabbath? Or, or do I not know what seventh heaven actually means? Look, everything is an offshoot of the Old Testament anyway. So everything is slightly is. Jewish, let's be honest. Yes. Yes, well, who would we have star in our Jewish reboot of Seventh Heaven? Obviously, you'll play the male lead. We'll get you in there. It'll be a big-time role. It'll be on a network, big money. That Now we'll you got you. me listening. Because I don't want to—at 35, we'll get... with another you know sweet baby child on the way and, and a three-year-old, I don't want to work that hard, and I've realized that. Yeah. Today I did. I, I worked yeah, on the wonderful show "How I Met Your Father" with her, with Queen Hillary Duff. I was in two scenes. Mm. I started at eight. I was out by nine thirty. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I mean, what a day! Is that is that a is that a good thing? Like, would you prefer? I think you, wouldn't you prefer to be in more scenes? Like, I understand what you're saying. I guess it's like a push pull. Sure, you work. You don't have to work as many hours, but you're also in less scenes. I mean, I'm not a regular on the show. I'm like a reoccurring. So I think I'm getting all mm. the bang for my buck that I'm going to get, whether I'm in two scenes or ten for that episode, because mm. I'm just kind of associated mm. with the show. So for me, I don't mind having light work. It's nice to be in a lot of scenes if you really feel like, you know, like if you're if you're in a lot of scenes of a procedural that means you're spending a lot of time on a Law & Order or a CSI. And let me tell you, Ben, I'd love to be on one of those shows. But you're doing a lot of the same things every week, right? Yes. Law & Order, what an unbelievable show. Stabler, Benson. Are you an SVU guy? It's, I think it's SVU or bust. I'm not, you, you know, I, I'm not much of a, a procedural TV guy, but I like any ICE TV vehicle, I'll be honest. 
Yeah, he's good. He's really good. He's really good. He knows what he's doing. I wonder I wonder if Ice T calls his accountant once a year and they look at each other and go, Can you believe how great this is? <laughs> <laughs> and Ice T replies, You know, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. That's pretty good. <laughs> Listen, it's because we both have lisps. Yeah, I think so. It was that was something else. That man, you're so right. He prints money. Oh my good gosh! Point. You know him and uh, what is happening? I, I think it was literal time that Snoop Dogg has gone from. I mean, he was always an icon, always a legend. But if you look back at the mid aughts, even like 2010 through 2015, he he did not have the respect and the idolatry he has today. The man is literally a money machine. Like, he can't stop getting jobs. It's the Martha Stewart effect. That's right. The second that they publicly became friends from just different worlds, everybody just ate that up. And I just think that there's something about Martha Stewart admitting that she smokes weed, her and Snoop Dogg then being in Doritos commercials, and then all of a sudden Snoop Dogg, if you're safe enough for Martha Stewart, you're safe enough for everybody else. And then once you're deemed safe, oh, you can do anything you want. It's like the 50 cent of it all. 50 cent can do no wrong. No matter what he does, what he says, 50 cent will keep printing money. Martha Stewart vouched for Snoop Dogg with the housewives. Yes. With middle America. Yes. With people who live on golf courses. She said, I know he's tall. I know he did the gangster rap in the 90s, but there's much more to my friend Snoop Dogg. And they said, hey, Martha, we're listening. And Martha said, hey, guys, weed, you know, it's really not that bad. And everybody listened to Martha. Martha really did pioneer making weed acceptable amongst that community of people. Ben... May I start with our what are you nuts moment of the week? Please, please jump in. I've, I've felt uh, uh, especially prickly these last couple of days, so I might have two. Here's the first thing I've noticed recently, and I'm, I'm willing to admit it here on the podcast. I've started taking cholesterol medication. <laughs> this is 35. I did my very best, but the reality is you can't outrun your genetics. So I recently have gone to Rite Aid, I don't mean to brag, and I've become a regular there, and before this, other than my asthma spray, I never had to get a regular prescription. And I go to the counter, and the guy is looking up my prescription, and it's taking far too long his time with the computer. I'm noticing. I'm thinking every interaction he has with this computer, 30 seconds here, 20 seconds there, and then I kind of turn my head and I look at the computer screen, Ben, it looks like a screen from Pac-Man. It looks like a screen from an early 90s Tom Hanks movie. It's ridiculous. You're Rite Aid. Let's update here. You can't afford, I don't, you know, I don't know what the new Microsoft operating system is, but what are you, nuts? What are we, what is this in the movie, Big? This unfortunately is a theme and you prompted my what are you nuts moment. It's actually identical. I was in the Atlanta airport. Uh, maybe this was three weeks ago at this point. All the cars are sold out. I normally rent a car for maybe an Enterprise or a Hertz or an Avis. Anything but budget. 
All that was left was budget. I go to budget. I'm waiting in line. Takes me 45 minutes. There's five people. They're seeing one person every 10 minutes. You know why it's taking so long? Because the people behind the counter are also the ones washing the cars. So they'll take your thing. They'll go to the back. They'll spray down the car. They'll drive it around like Gran Turismo. Get in front. The car is soaking wet and then somebody gets in. Right? I also notice they're doing everything by hand. Everything. The reason why it's taking so long behind, they're taking your credit card. Do you remember those machines where they'd wash over it? Like you'd put the credit card in between two pieces of paper and essentially etch the credit card number into yes, it? Yes, of course. It's a prehistoric co copy. Yes, that is what they use at budget in the Atlanta airport. So it reminded me Sick. just the lack of technology within billion-dollar organizations makes you say, what are you, nuts? It really is just... Sickening. I mean, Sickening. these are not mom and pop. I'm not going to a mom and pop local pharmacy, right? Where they also happen to serve ice cream. This is Rite Aid. You're a conglomerate. Sure, you're no Walgreens and you're never going to be CVS. But you're a strong third and you can afford a good operating system, no? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I, it's so funny. You'd think that it's so interesting. I don't know why they don't have a better operating system. That really is just... Very odd. Very odd. Especially because you'd assume that Rite Aid is probably owned by a Walgreens or a CVS, right? Like, they're probably all the yes. same. So, wouldn't you... But also, I don't know if you've looked at the operating systems of the Walgreens and of the CVSs, or if you're just assuming that it's a better operating system, when in reality, they're all stuck in the 1970s. I can just tell by the fonts... You know, you know when you can just see there's just some like there's there's it, there are just some dead giveaways. And as soon as he turned that monitor around, I felt bad for the guy. I'm like, this is what you're dealing with all day because pharmacists in general have not the best job because most of their clients are elderly and the elderly are wonderful. Let's be honest. But the reality is, is that they are either in some dispute with their insurance or lack thereof, or the doctor didn't call something in. It's a constant issue. And they should have a better computer system to make everyone's life easier. What would you say is the worst job in the United States? What, what is a job that if you had that job, you're just like, holy smokes, that's a terrible job. You know, anything where you're really front face, speaking of travel, I think if you are on a low, a, on a budget airline customer service desk, it's the worst mm. fucking job on earth, and it's 100% the public's fault. Mm -hmm. Ben? Mm -hmm. Mine, it's so interesting. Mine always is toll booth operator, just because I think that it is so lonely. That being said, it's so nice to be able to listen to podcasts. You can listen to the good guys all the time. You can listen to music. I'm starting to rethink the toll booth operator because while it's quiet, I think I'd rather it be quiet than exactly what you just said. I think that being, being on the ticketing end of a spirit flight delayed for 10 hours where you're being screamed at when it really has nothing to do with you. I often start all of those calls. I don't know if you do the same thing. Before I erupt on any customer service representative, I will say, first of all, I'd like to let you know that none of this is directed at you personally. I understand that you have absolutely nothing to do with what happened to me with this airline. 
So I'm going to yell at you because I need to yell at someone, but I want you to know that it's really not directed at you. You're simply the punching bag for the airline on the other side. And then I go in. Right. But I always felt bad. So, yeah, that is definitely the worst. That is terrible. No, you want uh, for here's what I do with customer service first. I go, they go, hi, it's Abigail here for you know Hertz rent a car. How can I help you? I go, hi Abigail, how's your day? Right? No one asks Abigail how she's doing. No, her name probably isn't even Abigail. No, she gave me a fake name. She's like a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like I know you. I know your real name's not Bubbles. <laughs> Can you imagine if a customer service reps' names were stripper names <laughs> like Bubble, Bubbles? It's amazing. But I, I just what I tell them is what I try to. I try to endear them to be my friend and to understand. I go, this is crazy. No, you can hear where I'm coming from, right? You see why this doesn't make sense, correct? And then. I give them plenty. I go, put me on hold. They go, can I put you on hold? I said, I'd prefer it. And I say, go do your, I know you got to go. What do they call it? You got to escalate this to some supervisor, probably in North Carolina, wherever there's like cheap federal income tax for massive corporations. Send it over there. I'll be on hold. Put on some Shania Twain. Mm. She is. Right. She is wonderful. She is wonderful. Shania. Shania doesn't disappoint. No, she's fantastic at what she does. So where are you going for Labor Day while my wife and I just, you know, stay in domesticated hell? Turks and Caicos. Nice. Me, Claudia, Brian Kelly, the Taylors. The Toasters will know the uh, the Taylors that are listening and those that are just good guys fans. Uh, Taylor Strecker runs a wonderful podcast and her wife, Taylor Donahue, is just a a, a wonderful person, uh, and uh, Brian's dear friend that's now our dear friend, John Fazulo and Margo. What a trip. Just a great group. Nice group of eight. Eight is a great size. If you are ever traveling with more, you got to split up the tables at dinner. I won't sit at a 10-person dinner. I won't sit at a 12-person dinner. Eight is the absolute max because eight at least gives you the opportunity to maybe have a round table. But when you go to these dinners and it's 20 people and it's a long table, you might as well be at three different dinners. So the cutoff is eight. It's the perfect amount of people. We're going, catching some sun and doing things a little bit different. You know, everybody else, they Labor Day is really the, at least in New York, everybody goes to the Hamptons. It's all about the Hamptons. And I'm sure with you, it's all, what is it, Malibu? Or even you guys, your version of the Hamptons is like Hawaii. I feel like everybody just goes to Hawaii for random weekends in Los Angeles. But we're going to Turks and Caicos, getting some gorgeous sun. There is a beautiful casino there, nice and small, and we're going to have a great time. And, uh, yeah, those are those are my Labor Day plans. Okay, so tell me, what's appropriate behavior for a vacation? Because I feel like this on a group vacation – that everyone's travel plans, their hotel plans, their day-to-day plans, that's your business as a couple. I don't need to know this, and I have no opinion on what you do. You need one couple there who's really into planning shit, and they can make a master plan. And then everyone else can revolve around the master plan as they so choose. If you want to do an activity, great. If you want to go to the dinner, great. But there can't be a 
well, where should we go? Where do you want to go? What are you in the mood for? It That is maddening to me. The what are you in the mood for question, never good. You definitely need a person steering the ship. And what I will say is that it's important on these group trips, just rent a house. If you're doing a hotel, it's what's even the point, really? Like, why are you, I don't know, what are you, spending half the time alone anyways? So you might as well just go on your own vacation. So I think you rent a house. You certainly only go with people that you're incredibly comfortable with. I never understood this, like, random couples going with random couples. I don't want to go on vacation with somebody that I just met. That's you right. go on vacation with people that you're very close with. And, uh, yeah, to that point, I let one person pick the dinners, do the activities. Don't pick any activities that are too out there. And if you do, go do it yourself. I went, I remember Paige was pregnant with our, our son, Max, and, and we had just found out she was pregnant. And we had planned this trip for months. And me and my best friend and his wife, we made this trip to Hawaii. I knew it was Hawaii. I knew it was Hawaii. You, you guys love it. Hawaii. We love a Hawaii trip. It's unreal. The locals hate us, nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> and... It was in Maui, and Paige and I had been there when we first started dating, and it was like a return eight years later. And I found a great deal at the um, Four Seasons Maui, which if you watch White Lotus, that's where it was shot. Fabulous mm. hotel. And my wife and I, we don't do a lot of vacations, like maybe once every three years. So mm. we were going to do it up. But still, I found the cheapest rate for that hotel during that time. Don't think I didn't. And my God bless my best friend's wife, she's like... Whatever Josh wants to do, Josh likes to do it nice. I want to do what Josh is doing. So then, you know, the 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 conversations start happening with sort of like the satellite groups of friends around our group. Like other friends in LA, other couples who are like, you're going to Hawaii? Maybe we should come. I said, you weren't exactly invited, but okay. <laughs> now people are inviting themselves on the trip. Mm. Then they're pulling out, going in. And us the whole time, we're like, listen, we're booked. So come or don't, we don't care. Then they start to have opinions on the way we're going. Mm. Oh, you're staying at the Four Seasons? You're so bougie. Why can't you stay at the Marriott? Oh, you're flying first class? Why can't you just go in the back of the plane like the civilians? I say, because I work very hard. That's why I can't. And I haven't been on 18 trips to Mexico or wherever you just went over the last 16 Mm. months. This is my one trip. Mm. Not good. Too many opinions. They wound up all joining us. And it was just too many people. It made it worse. Made it worse. That's That sounds terrible. It sounds like you told one too many people that you were going on vacation. You got to keep that to the vest. You just pop up. People are like, what? The- Josh is in Hawaii. It's like, yeah, I didn't tell you because I don't want you anywhere near me. I'm in Hawaii alone. We'll debrief yes. when I return. I can. I would just never understand shaming someone for the way in which they want to go. Like this isn't. You know, I didn't buy a Rolls Royce. You're you're also an accomplished actor and uh, celebrity, and uh, I think it would have been strange if you flew economy and stayed at the Howard Johnson in Maui. Like <laughs> you're 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 allowed to you're allowed to. I, I don't know. I know you, you can't divulge who it was. We won't talk about who it was, but whoever that was, very strange behavior. Very strange behavior. Unless it's a very, 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 very old friend, then that's where things are a little bit different. Like if they're, but with you, it doesn't, no, because you're a, a child star. So there is no, 
Are there, that's a good question. Are there friends before you? Do you have friends from pre-acting? I've lost touch with all of them. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, my best friend I met when I was 14 in LA. So I, you know, I I sort of knew him on my my sort of ascendance into my Mm -hmm. career, but um, Mm -hmm. no one pre, no one really that predates that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, whoever it is, they should feel ashamed of themselves. And if they're listening, stop impeding on people's strips. I agree. I think there's no need to shame. Um, I think we should get to our our news of the week, no? Please. Let's do some stories. I think this sounds great. Um, okay, so for our first story, I've got a little something. What to expect from Apple's iPhone 14 event? The iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max just got some major upgrades. Also, they're going to be releasing, rumored, a new watch, perhaps some new AirPods, AirPods Pros, and uh, yeah, what do we think about it, Ben? The first thing that I think about Apple, first of all, just a genius company, the way that they have advertised products, uh, gotten us to buy them, that end up breaking and crashing within a year to force us to spend another million dollars. Unbelievable marketing, right? The whole blue text, if you don't get a blue text, and so you send a text to somebody and it goes green, all of a sudden you think that they're a loser because they don't have an iPhone. Like that is just genius marketing. If you don't have a blue text, there's something wrong with you. That's what they put in our brain. So one, Apple from a branding marketing perspective, absolutely genius. Two, what to expect from the iPhone, this new iPhone, the 14, uh, is the exact opposite of what they want you to think. They've been putting out all these ads. I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, that Apple does not collect your data. Have you seen these ads? They're like, uh, Apple means privacy. What really means privacy is not having a phone at all, especially not having a smartphone. A smartphone is the opposite of privacy. So what do I think you'll get from the iPhone 14? Less and less privacy. They already have our finger scans. They now have our eyes. They probably have our brains. They know where we live. They know our credit. They know everything. So what do I expect from Apple? Probably some cool tech. Phone will break in a year. And uh, I'm sure that somebody will end up stealing all of my credit card information. You? What do I think about the Apple iPhone? Look, I think we've accepted that it's... We're going to get an Apple iPhone 14 that probably looks like the 13 that might just look like the 12. They're kissing cousins. I think what's (laughs) incredible is that it's going to have a slightly like a millimeter moved button so that I'm going to have to buy a new case. I'm going to have to buy new accessories. Um, And yet I know when I get that new iPhone 14, which I am getting, the week after that, I'm going to feel so good about myself. Like it's really going to change my mood for sure. What was wrong with the USB? Why is the lightning charger here? I know that they call it the lightning charger because it does charge your phone faster, but are you telling me that there's the inability of the USB to charge your phone faster? I don't buy it. You know, and now there's a USB-C, which I don't even know what world we're living in anymore. Is that the same thing, the USB-C and the lightning charger, the, uh, the one that plugs into your computer? It's different. It's different. It's different. Mm. It's, um, you know, it's a fascinating thing. And I, I've never felt more, I just, you know, I used to really look, look so down on 
older people who were tech phobic, but I'm that old guy now. It's not, yeah. it's not good. Too much, too much tech is too much. But there is something, I mean, I remember, and now I don't know if it's this way as much. Like, I remember when I got the iPhone 5S, and this was like, and it was in a rose gold. And when I pulled that thing out, the table got quiet, you know? Mm. Like, people mm-hmm. were like, can we see it? And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm elite. I have elite tech. But you can, I'm happy to share with you. Now, are you, I resist the iPhone or the, the Apple Watch, because I think it's too much tech. You? Yeah, I don't want, one, I don't wear a watch in general. I don't need something on my wrist constantly to tell me what time it is. I have a phone. There are two reasons to have a watch, either to show people that you spent $50,000 on a watch, or to duplicate everything that's in your pocket. Now, I'm all for showing people that you spent $50,000 on your watch in the right setting. I'm not trying to say that I'm against... Rolexes or Audemars, just in case somebody from Audemars is listening and wants to send me a free watch. But the iPhone being on your wrist, I'm going to get a ding in my pocket that my mom texted me. I'm going to get a ding on my wrist that my mom texted me. Why do I need a double ding? The Apple Watch should be, if you left your iPhone at home, it should replace the iPhone entirely, right? Like, what's the, what is the point? Especially you, you love a good voice to text, you yes. love leaving a voice memo? Love Honestly, a voice I think, memo. I think the Apple Watch would be pretty great for you. You throw in AirPods, you listen to the message, and then you just talk into your wrist. Maybe you can get rid of your phone altogether. I don't want to feel like a secret agent. And if I'm talking into my wrist, <laughs> such a good I'm going to think I'm Inspector Gadget over here. <laughs> oh, that's such a good call. It is um, so in another story, Dana White, who is the CEO of the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, reacts to rumor Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva boxing match. He says, if that's true, it's about time. Dana White doesn't want to be asked any more questions about Jake Paul. But if the rumored matchup between the outspoken social influencer and a legendary former UFC middleweight champion are true, White feels it will be a legit test for his mm. rival. I mean, this is, you know, Jake Paul has fought a lot of people, and they've all been tomato cans. Now, if you're not in the boxing game, such as myself, you might not know this term, but a tomato can, it's a nothing, right? They always say that a guy who's got a record of 30 wins and two losses, the first 20 fights were against tomato cans because you got to get your numbers up. These guys were ridiculous people. It was a wrestler. It was Nate Robinson, the 5'6 New York Knicks phenom, but a basketball player. By the way, rest in peace. That single-handedly knocked out his career. I haven't heard from him since. He might be in a coma. I, I don't know. Shout out to Nate Robinson. I hope you're doing well. It was upsetting. And then also Tyron Woodley, who he fought, who again... And for anyone who's not a fight fan, mixed martial arts is just a much different oh, yeah. science, even though it looks very similar to boxing. Mm. It just it just is. So now, I mean, Anderson Silva, for anyone who doesn't know, is, you know, a you know, he might not be the Michael Jordan of MMA, but he's he's in the com- he's a top five. Com- he's a LeBron James. He's a Kobe. He's like a top five greats of MMA. And he's Jake Paul's size. And as we know, those Paul brothers, they're big white boys. Those are big, grass-fed Ohio boys. So I think it's interesting. I think this might finally be something worth watching. What do you think? 
Uh, is he currently in MMA or is he retired? He's retired. He's probably in his mid-40s. I just, like, in the end of the day, you said it best. Those Paul brothers, they know how to eat and they know how to train. They're incredibly athletic. And in the end of the day, being mid to late 20s and athletic is always going to have the upper hand on somebody in their 40s. It just is what it is. It's the same way that uh, if a Michael Jordan in his 40s was playing against a a young buck that's just simply more athletic can jump higher it's just it's just different so do i think it'll be a great fight i always enjoy watching it i think that jake paul i think the paul brothers in general what they've done in terms of legitimizing themselves through boxing and just being entertainers and i i'm i'm big fans of theirs i think that what they've done is awesome so i'll watch it if he beats him though it's again just like okay so you beat a retired athlete like i just don't understand the point like why isn't this too a tomato can well i mean a because anderson silva is in the conversation i mean it it was truly called a prodigy like a a combat prodigy and the man is in the conversation for like top five maybe top three best ever so i think the hope is and he still fought I mean, he's been retired for two or three years, but he's still fought up until recently. I think just the hope is is that, that that can supersede, that being that good at anything would win over uh, youth and strength. Is he but still it, in great shape? Yeah, he's also Brazilian, so his like he's already has gifted genetics, especially in MMA, where like it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, it's where it was created. Oh wait, I know. Wait, I know who this is. I've seen this guy. And this guy, if I'm thinking of the right guy, is an animal. He's got a movie star smile, the man. I mean, charming. He's an animal. Yeah, I I know who this guy is. I know who this guy is. When is that fight? I don't know. I I would imagine, well, you know, because he was supposed to, Jake was supposed to fight Tommy Fury. He's one from one of those Love Island shows. But he um, he was a proper real boxer, and for whatever reason, they just couldn't make it happen. Which just goes to show, too, boxing is by far the dirtiest, most um, just despicable sport on the business side that there truly is. Isn't Tommy Fury Tyson Fury's son, or am I making that up? Younger brother. Younger brother? Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I like Tyson. I honestly, I like when he wins and they sing American Pie, Don McLean enters my soul and I'm just like, give me more. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. I mean, you know, it's worth talking about people like Tyson Fury, who you're talking about, who's the heavyweight champion of the world or a Conor McGregor or even Tyson, Mike Tyson, like these people who have the razzle dazzle. Right to really bring in a because it's not enough in that game to be a great fighter. You've got to have that little extra, that little bit of show business. And that's what impresses me so much about Jake Paul's brother Logan Paul and what Logan is currently doing in WWE. Have you seen this? Because he looks like he could look. No one's ever going to be the Rock. But the reason The Rock is The Rock is because he was a showman in wrestling. Right. The reason I think that Logan Paul will end up having... 
a career that people will be unbelievably jealous about when it's all said and done is because of what he's currently doing in WWE, which is becoming a household name that people like to watch. And to your point, showmanship. It just, you have to be an unbelievable actor, I think, to be able to act while fighting. It seems very difficult, no? The physicality, first of all, he's living my dream, which is to have anything to do with the WWE. I mean, God willing, I get famous enough to where they let me be in a guest match. Because I just want to, I really want to rock someone right into a table. But, I mean, the boys are unstoppable. And I was working with them, like in 2014, we were shooting videos together because we were all big on the app Vine, which was like the original TikTok. And I just remember being in their energy, and they've always been incredibly cool to me um, and very nice. But it was that kind of energy of unabashed ambition, like unapologetic ambition of get out of the way because nothing is going to stop us. And either you can jump on, like, and it seems like everyone is sort of like a barnacle to their to their whale of ambition, right? Like you can jump on for a while, enjoy the ride, but you're not staying. Like you're gonna fall off eventually. And like, I felt that, you know, after a couple years of, of being around that energy, just going like, I whatever, whatever this thing is that they're doing, I just need to watch it from afar. Their ambition, and, and I have to give them credit, right? Because I don't, I don't think I have that level of ambition. You? Uh, if I had that level of ambition, I wouldn't be as large as I am today. If I think that it takes a real strong mental, that's why I think you have the ambition. It takes a very strong mental place to be able to stay that physically fit. I think that while I have the ambitions, I don't have the ambition of waking up at six in the morning and climbing Kilimanjaro to sort of chase my dreams, which is what they've done. If you watch them, they just... They're just running up hills every single day, chasing that dream in a different way. Honestly, if they heard this, they'd be very happy. We're being qu- I feel like we're being far nicer to the Fall Brothers than people normally are. But I, too, but I am we're, a fan. We're, I'm impressed by them. And look, we're just fueling their ambition machine. So enough of these Pauls and more of the Soffers and Packs. No, I'm just saying, if they wanted to come on the podcast, though, I want them to know that they're more than welcome, just in case it does fall in their laps. 100% anytime. Um... Well, I'm tired of of fueling the Paul ambition machine, so I think we need to move on to advice. Let's give a little advice from the good guys on this week's episode. We should. My first, or our first uh, advice question is, overbearing mother-in-law, what do I do? Overbearing Jewish mother-in-law, excuse me, which is very different. What, What do I do? Here's the thing about mother-in-laws. Here's the thing about in-laws in general. Do not underestimate them. You are marrying them as well. Be very wary of someone that you're going to marry where you feel like their close compatriots, their family, brothers, sisters, cousins, even friends. If you can't stand them, you'll never get over that. There's no, well, she's great and we'll just live on our own little love island. No, my friend, especially if you procreate and you want those people to help you. So it's imperative that whatever's going on, and there's growing pains, to work it out now. Do everything in your power to work it out if you see a future with this person. 
If you don't see a person with them, but you're just having a nice time right now, I would suggest you play mental mind games with this mother and really give her a taste of her own medicine. Really give it back to her because maybe she'll feel challenged and you're speaking her love language, which is she wants to see if you can step up. Wow. Deep. Not bad. No, not bad at all. What other questions we got? Um, this is from an anonymous source, and she asks, I need some advice on how to go about asking a guy out that I have a crush on. By the way, you two are awesome. First of all, we are awesome. So thank you so much for noticing. <laughs> um, how to ask a guy out. Walk up to the guy and just ask him. I don't know. I, pers- I personally think that uh, it's, it's awesome when a girl doesn't play hard to get, at least in my experience. That's right. In the dating world, girls often want you to make the first move. Then when you show that you're too interested, all of a sudden they stop texting you because they want you to feel like you're chasing something, like they're a trophy to be chased. So when the script is flipped... And the girl actually just shows that, you know, she likes you. I personally would find it wonderful and a great change of pace. And I think he would too, unless he's a douchebag. Look, that's also, we're good guys here. So this happening to a good guy, it's a different story. If you're, if you're talking to like a big swinging dick and you show him that you're interested in him, he might also flip the script on you. So it's, it depends on who the guy is. But if he's a good guy... I would just ask him, and I think he'd be very, very receptive. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's more important than ever to be clear, to be transparent. Um, I think it speaks to bigger issues, bigger conversations of consent. I think it's important that we abandon these old views that we have, which, let's be honest, like this idea of the chase, in quotes, was kind of fun, romantic, made everyone sort of feel like when inevitably people came together, if they both wanted it, both that it was like this wonderful sort of ending to this, you know, month-long or, or, or week-long love story. But inevitably, it's all emotional mind games. What? To keep you safe to keep you from putting more skin in the game, to make you feel like I'm not going to get hurt. I'm going to make him go through so many obstacles and guys do it too. I'm going to make this person go through so many obstacles that if and only if they're able to navigate all of it, then I'll know they're worthwhile. You know what? Sometimes you got to let the person know, hey, I think you're adorable. I'd like to see where this goes at an appropriate time at an appropriate place. Now let's get weird. (laughs) And folks, on that note, That is our show. Thank you so much for joining us. We're the good guys. You can find new episodes of our podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts can be found. I always mess this part up, but I believe it's Apple. I think there's some Spotify, some Stitcher. I don't know if there's an iHeart. Maybe there's an iHeart. There's anywhere that you can find a podcast. You can find us. I'm Ben Soffer. I'm Josh Peck. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Monday. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.